Right, how do you begin a talk? Um, for the first time, I'm going to begin with a big apology. I panicked probably the leadership team, the people on the tech, the people in the worship group, because I hadn't turned up when the church... Oh, sorry, I'm over here. Apologies for being in the wrong position, Peter. Um, I apologise for uh, that. I did actually set off for church at quarter past nine. Um, I got to Birdie Court, pick up my friend Brian. I looked and thought, where are my notes for my talk? Uh, somewhere at home. So I shot off from Birdie Court, and honestly... I've never known an area like this. You only get as far as Brimscombe School and they close the road to let a load of cyclists out. So I sort of worked my way through there. There's traffic. What right has traffic got to use the A419 when I want to get on the A419 and time was getting very short? So uh, I managed to get on the A419 and those cyclists were so slow. Why do they have to go six abreast when I'm trying to get round them? So fortunately they went on to Sirencester, so I got up the Toesmore Valley behind a bit of a tourist who uh, wandered up and the lights were green when they got there but they turned amber so they went and uh, did an emergency stop, so did I and going up Toadsmore I thought, why do you have to go at 30 miles an hour? And I thought, oh, it's a 30 mile an hour sign <laughs> and uh, I was reminded of what I'm talking about today don't judge and you won't be judged because with that judgment you judge so will you be judged and we won't go into all the other problems but I was late as a result so don't worry everything is absolutely fine um, I think yes it is okay we're looking at judgment but my judgment today was more a form of uh, criticism why won't that stay in place there we are use a pen Right. Criticism. What's it like when you get criticismed, criticised, criticism? When you get criticised, you don't have to do this, but if you'd like to put your hand up, tell me what it feels like to be criticised. What sort of adjectives could I use? What words describe criticism? Any volunteers or... No one gets criticised. Belittling. Sorry? Belittling. Belittling, right. Yeah. Good one, Scott. I hadn't thought of that one, but it's very true. Now you mention it, I start to feel it, yeah. Belittling. Oh, uh, yeah. You want, let's just turn that down a bit. Belittling. Oh, hands up, hands up, hands up. <laughs> yeah. Nick. Sorry? Annoyed. Annoyed? Yeah, Okay. You get annoyed. That's a mild one, but it does happen. Yes, Chris? Depressing. So, depressing. Yeah. Depressing. I hadn't thought of depressing, but it, yeah, it can be depressing. Yeah. Confidence. Your confidence gets knocked. Um, how did you phrase it? What? Confidence. Yeah. Knocks confidence. Just to fit it on the page, because I just write knocked. <laughs> yes, Liz. Slightly worried, because there's probably some truth in it somewhere. Oh, Liz, yes. Well, there's, that's the sermon done. Okay. <laughs> so there could be some truth in what they say. Honestly, Liz, you're not as bad as I say you are. Right, uh, yes. Diminished. Diminished, Maria, yeah. Diminished. We've got six words. Another line. Yes? Um, a need to justify myself. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I can sympathise that one. Just. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Anxious. Anxious. Oh, that's a deep one, isn't it? Anxious. Let's try one more top page. Yes, Brian. Hurt. That's just a spot on, Brian. Yeah. We feel hurt, and it was their fault, not mine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there's a few words. That's how we feel when we get um, criticised. And I think it's getting even worse in this day and age with social media. I could tell you about a teenager who mum and dad separated and she said to uh, dad, can I come and live with you? He said, no, I've done my bit for you. You're on your own now. I don't want to see you again. And she went back to school feeling that. And someone said something nasty about her. And other people thought it was funny. So someone put it on Facebook. And the trouble with Facebook, it got shared with somebody else. And it started to get shared with strangers. And within about 24 hours, this nastiness, this criticism had gone all the way round the world to thousands of other people. With the result that this girl downed a bottle of aspirins and she washed it down with a bottle of vodka. Fortunately, the ambulance people got there in time. But that is the sort of thing that criticism can do. And it can get far worse. But when Jesus is talking about criticism in Matthew chapter 1, he's actually talking about us not criticizing other people. And I find it a bit harder to cope with that because, yeah, I think other people have suffered from these things because I have done it to them. And sometimes I criticize people with the best of motives, the best of intentions, and certainly when I was at school, that sort of age, I thought everyone needs to become Christians. The only way they knew how to become Christians was for me to point out their sins to them. And I've since discovered, well, let's take a vote on this. How many of you put your hands up, became Christians because someone condemned you into... No, someone criticized you into becoming a Christian. Oh, this is interesting. Um, hands up, how many of you became Christian because someone loved you into the kingdom? Ah, yeah, a lot more. Can you see the point that Jesus is making that how we reach people is as important as actually reaching them? And our churches can be like this. There was a church that I was a member of for a while, and they decided to have a week's evangelism around the village. And uh, we got a team down from a Bible college. And uh, one day, uh, the bloke who was going to be an evangelist was going into the village shop, and there was some of the local teenagers sitting on the village shop steps, putting the world right. And he got talking to them. And uh, one of the leaders from the church came over and said to him, I think the children were still there, he said, you don't talk to people like these. You don't want to talk to these we don't want them in our church. And uh, I think what he really meant was, well, the evangelist was talking to them. He meant was, I don't want them in my church. They don't behave very well. And amazingly, these kids and their friends actually turned up to an evening service in the church. 
the looks, I cannot describe the looks that some of them got from certain members of the church. And then the kids noticed that there were some galleries, so they went and sat up in the galleries, and there was a slight panic developing amongst the members of the church. So Yvonne and I went upstairs. We knew the youngsters. We sat with them, and they weren't any trouble, and the service went okay. But afterwards, one of the church, another church leader came up and said, thank goodness you went and sat with them up in the galleries. Oh, dear. Oh. And I realized that this was the sort of church where if you wanted to come to church, you had to behave. And then, if you behaved, they would tell you what to believe. Oops, it's not quite right. I've moved it down, haven't I? If you behaved, they would tell you what to believe. And if you finally accepted what they wanted you to believe, you were allowed to belong. I think someone's got things in the wrong order there because they're they're starting with criticism, not with love. But recently I was on holiday and uh, just as pubs were open, you could sit in the garden and have some food and... uh, if I was sitting at the table, and then the guy sat next to us in another table, immediately rolled up a fag, lit it, and the smoke came across our way. I thought, oh, crumbs, do we move or what? But I was taken by surprise. He started talking to us, and he admitted that he had been a drug addict, and he had got an alcohol addiction, and he tried to solve it by visiting one or two churches, And all those churches had this behave, believe, and you can belong attitude to him. And then one day, last attempt, he found one more church. And this time, he found immediately he was welcomed. He had to be because one of the people welcoming them was a girl he tried to mug (laughs) to fund his drug habit. And... uh, (laughs) I think I might have given him a fist. She gave him a hug. (laughs) And he thought, wow. And he came in, and the people actually cared about him. They didn't ask about his background. And after a while, he had such love. He said, whatever it is they've got, I want it. I want to believe what they believe. That's what I need. And so he found that he belonged. He was led to believe and... He said, I'm just starting to behave. He said, I, I don't drink anymore. I'm off drugs. I thought, yeah, but you're still smoking fags, aren't you? I thought, Graham, don't be critical. This guy's going places. And that was the sort of church he discovered. Which sort of church are we? Which order have we got things in? Or I have to ask myself, what sort of a Christian am I? I'll come to that a bit later on. The trouble is, if we're going to be a church where people belong, believe and behave, there's going to be problems. I'll just share a few examples of what some churches who decided that people can belong before they behave have. What do you do when someone turns up at your church with their dog or dogs? Are they allowed in the congregation? What happens when they've got tattoos? Well, maybe tattoos are all right now, but... What if those tattoos say the wrong sort of thing that we would rather they didn't say? Uh, What happens if someone turns up 
at church who could have really done with a wash. Who's going to give them a welcoming hug and sit next to them? What happens when someone turns up at church with somebody else? They're married, but not to each other. Mm, difficult. What if they turn up with their kids? Do you say, well, you can't come in, but well, the kids can come to Sunday school? Oh, it gets complicated. What do you do when someone turns up who is married, but the person they're married to, in inverted commas, happens to be the same sex as the person who's come in? How do we handle these things? I find when I've had, this has happened to me personally, people want to come and stay, I found that you have to love the people, not to condemn them. And they will soon know that you disagree with them. But because you love them, they will accept it. And uh, I've come across that. But these are things we're going to have to face in the future. How do we deal with these things? How do you do what Jesus did with the woman caught in adultery? He said, I don't condemn you. Now stop it. What a balance that guy had. How do we get that kind of balance that people know what we believe and they still know that they're loved, accepted. Just come back to that list of things you put up. Because the truth is we've done these things. I say I did them with people at school. Jesus died to make all these things less important. And there's a lovely bit in 2 Corinthians, Colossians 2, verse 14, where it says, Jesus has cancelled the written code. In those days, when you cancelled a code or you cancelled a debt, you chiazestied it, which is based on the Greek letter chi. Anyone know what a chi looks like? Go on, Gary, tell us. It's a cross with a curly bit on, yeah, okay. It's like our X. So there we are. That is the way of cancelling a debt, and it will be autographed by the person who cancelled the debt. He chiazestified it. So that X is actually a CH in our language. So when you see Xmas for Christmas, it's actually a Xmas. Okay. The only trouble is, you can still see that. And when a lot of things we say, okay, I'm a Christian, I'll forgive them, it still shows, doesn't it? And I still feel guilty about the things I've done to other people. The lovely thing about that verse in Colossians is that it doesn't say kaizestai, because if you kaizestai things, you can still see it. I think I'd like to wipe it off. If I have a damp cloth, my efforts don't work either. And I found that I couldn't forgive a lot of people. And eventually someone said, Graham, ask God to forgive them. He can. You can't. And then ask him to forgive those people through you. Absolutely, amazingly, it's so refreshingly liberating. I can talk about things without getting wound up. The Holy Spirit does amazing things. I hope I've got the Holy Spirit in me, but I've also got some methylated spirit. (laughs) Let's see what spirit does to these things. Isn't it brilliant? Chiazestai doesn't work. Exalathane means to annihilate. 
And when you annihilate something, it no longer exists as if it never happened. So where people have criticized us, I think we need to ask for the Holy Spirit to work in us to annihilate it. You may need prayer ministry afterwards. Find someone you know you can trust. Uh, prayer ministry is still being reestablished. Um, but I had a need for this because when I was a kid at school, I was very good at say, condemning people into the kingdom. And it didn't work. Uh, the responses I got was from one person. No, from two people. You're a bigot. Uh, from another person, I'm going to give you a big spoon for Christmas. I said, why? To help you do your stirring, dirt stirring. Oh, thank you. And another one said, you shouldn't be wearing a crusader badge because Christians don't behave or talk like you do. So I did a terrible job by being a critical, evangelistic sort of Christian. And I did ask God, Lord, I'd just love to have another chance to make up for the things, the criticisms that I did. And I got in touch with one or two people, and three of them I had a very good time with. Some of them had died. But there was one other person in my class, and uh, his wife became a Christian. And she went to the church I grew up in. Her husband wouldn't let her take the children there, because that was the church that Graham Hobbs grew up in. I'm not having my kids grow up like that. Critical. Oh, terrible, isn't it? And I said, Lord, I'd just love another chance to be Jesus to these people instead of being a critic, to love them. And uh, the guy got in touch. He said, uh, I'm writing a bit early. My, my wife's died. And uh, just so you don't send her a Christmas card and everything. And then he said to me, do you remember, Graham, about 1973, we went on our motorbikes, three of us, to the Gower, camping. He said, I would like you to come on a half-century reunion with me, get in touch with Stan, the other guy, and have some time together. And I thought, Lord, you've answered my prayer. The resentment seems to have gone. He's wanting me to go away with him on holiday. And this time, I will not be criticising. I'll do a lot more listening. And uh, we'll see what comes of that. So God does give us a chance. We have a God of new opportunities to make up for it. Just like to end by thinking of the dad in the story of the prodigal son. When that son came back to his dad, he didn't come back to someone who was going to tell him what he'd done wrong. He knew he was a sinner, didn't he? That dad was someone who rushed up to him and threw his arms around him, hugged him, kissed him, said, come on, we're going to have a party, we're going to celebrate. There are one or two people who would probably like to come back to us where we've criticised them or judged them, and they don't want to come back for more criticism, more judgment. Whatever they've done, they want us to throw their arms around them and welcome them home. And I think there would have been conversations between dad and son later but the son would know they were coming from a position where he was loved not criticized and in a similar way maybe there's people who need to be loved and not criticized so may we be the sort of people who although we hold our views we don't compromise on what we believe well jesus loves sinners i mean i don't think jesus 
ever approved of sex outside of marriage. He said, it's one man, one woman. Sorry if you're woke at the moment or whatever, but that was what Jesus said. It's one man, it's one woman for life. Now, I know it's hard for some of us to follow that, and we may have had mishaps, but I was just thinking planes are not meant to crash, are they? But they do. What do we do about it? We stay back there and say, you shouldn't have done that, not meant to crash the plane. No, we go in and rescue. And similarly, when people go adrift, we don't stand there and say, oh, that's wrong. We go in and rescue. We'll sort out the inquiries afterwards. So let's approach them from that area. And Jesus, I say, had strong views on sexual behavior. And yet, who was he accused of hanging around with? Prostitutes. I don't think he used prostitutes, but he certainly had them amongst his friends. And similarly, we have strong views on fraud and that sort of thing. Who did Jesus accept hospitality from? Zacchaeus. And how did Zacchaeus pay for that hospitality? Jesus still accepted him. So can we just think during the week, who have we been critical of? And... Do we need to make amends with them? And if so, how would Jesus make amends with those people?